welcome back to Whiteout Weekly, and this is our now annual Penn State therapy session after that brutal, and I mean brutal, 20-12 to 12 loss with that huge momentum swing fumble recovery touchdown called back by the holding penalty and just so many opportunities missed that we could have capitalized on. But at the end of the day, the coaching staff ultimately got outclassed by the Ohio State coaching staff who exposed them big time for some offensive weaknesses and some defense weaknesses. And Dave, I've just something first on this on the uh, pregame show. Obviously, the college game, college game day was at Ohio State. Desmond Howard, neutral, somewhat neutral, third party from Michigan pregame, said that Michigan and Ohio State are a mental hurdle for Penn State, which proves to still be true. And it's going to come down to third downs. In total, Penn State was one for 16 on third down versus Ohio State six of 16. So Howard is right on that. And the second part, the mental hurdle for Penn State, Aller. Looked very nervous on that first drive. He threw the ball, I think, over 100 miles an hour to Theo Johnson, who's five yards away from him on the first series. He started two of 10 for 24 yards and two sacks on our first five drives. And then that second series, Singleton breaks off a 20-yard run. Singleton then breaks off a 16-yard run. Sorry for the cops. Breaks off a 16-yard run. And then we go into a throw package and Aller gets sacked. So it's just like some of the co- the coaching, it was just it was an outclassing of the coaching. That's the best way. That's the best way that I can put it. Yeah, obviously another depressing loss here and one that generates a lot of <clears throat> a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts brewing after this one as I was stewing on this. I was actually out in California, so I had a had the pleasure of waking up at 9 a.m. local time to watch this. So oh, wow. What a morning. So that was a morning in itself, but it's day room. <laughs> yeah. But the not to mention I had to show face at a wedding after that. But oh um, my god, how do you during that? <laughs> but a lot of thoughts brewing here, and we're recording this here on Tuesday after Franklin's Tuesday presser. So some oh yeah, oh, after my initial thoughts after Saturday. Not really my initial thoughts, but some facts have changed. So the part that really gets me, especially after a loss like this. So you look at the run 
that this matchup has been on over the last seven years where we got that one in 2016 on the Grant Hale or the Marcus Allen block field goal. You know, this game was right kind of in that balance where you mentioned we had that scoop and score that could have been that momentum shifter. Yes, that was earlier in the game, but kind of in a similar light. But between that 2016-2018 span, Franklin, after loss after loss to Ohio State, mentioned about the difference between getting from good or great to elite. Exactly. Or upgraded. He said that that last year. And last year. We're we're great now. We need to get to elite. So. He's been on that path, but again, it comes down to the same freaking game. Yeah. So he talks about what's needed. So they needed to to remain to get ahead and get back to a level playing field with NIL, which I think we all know Penn State's making great strides, but still likely behind. They needed better great facilities, strides, modern modern facilities to be able to compete with the other blue chip programs, which they have. And all of this to be able to get talent in the door that allows you to not only compete but beat Penn, to beat a team like Ohio State. And Michigan. There's and like, Michigan. literally those two are the ones we're trying to beat. I think what you saw Saturday and what you've seen over the course of the last two seasons, especially, and even the first six games of this season, is they they have the talent. That defense is I know Ohio State is a great defense, but our defense is the best defense in the country. I don't think yeah. that's a stretch to say. And you have the playmakers on offense. You have a five-star quarterback. Yes, this is his first big road start, and he struggled. But what you didn't get from Franklin, you got it from Aller after the game where he was basically in tears saying that I sucked and I need to play better, which you feel for the kid. And what it boils down to is, yes, it's his first career as a starter. Can't go 18 for 42, man. Like You got got to be better than that, but you feel for the kid. Yeah. And he's taking accountability. What you didn't get Which from I Franklin I like is, is self-accountability from Franklin. And not that that would have gave me a warm and fuzzy, but that's something that over the years you haven't seen. So he's been clamoring for what he needs. He needs NIL, needs upgraded facilities, need, needs this, needs that, needs a, a athletic director and a president that'll back this program to get them where they need to be. They're on that track and they've gotten it. They've gotten the talent. And he deflects and says that third down was the reason that they didn't win this game. And yes, that was a huge part of it. And the one for 16, the one that they got was on that last drive of the game. So yeah, 0-15. Yeah, but somewhere as the head coach, and obviously we'll get into your and his play calling, which was absolutely abysmal. But you got to be play coach. accountability and say, hey, I'm running this ship and I have to be better. Like I said, that doesn't that's not going to give me the warm and fuzzy. Oh, let's move on. Tra la 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 la. But that's what we haven't gotten. And what's interesting is that change today is in today's presser. Franklin said, first and foremost, it starts with me. I had the responsibility to to correct these things. And what he mentioned, and from what I was gathering on Twitter, is he was mentioning some things that haven't been said in the last couple of years. Things like we spent that this this loss especially 
has been very hard to get over, as you can imagine, and that the staff has spent countless hours even after loss when they got back to State College in the facility making some hard decisions. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if there's potentially some jobs in the balance here, but this is what the season's going to continue to boil down to. And we can't, and for us, I know, you know, for us especially, and a lot of this fan base, yes, going 10-2 and and, and winning the Rose Bowl is great, but we want to win a national title here. And yeah. another performance like this doesn't give you the glimmer of hope that, hey, how are we going to get what What's going to be different that's going to get us over the edge? And that's the ultimately frustrating part is it's now, yes, there's six and one, still a lot to play for. But at the end of the day, you need you need to beat Michigan. You got to get one of the two, and you need a lot of help. And it's considered can be considered another lost season because they weren't able to get over the hump again. And it's just frustrating that after seven years now, and even beyond that, you know, before 2016, they're what one in ten against Ohio State in the last eleven mm-hmm. years. Where yeah, you come into a matchup, you have the talent, and you throw up an absolute dud on offense like that where you know the the importance of this game and you would just would just have hoped that you would have seen something different than you've seen over the years and that's the most frustrating part for me yeah for uh just going on the james franklin versus ohio state and michigan because that's you know ultimately what he's going to be judged by he is in the past two years, 0-2 against them, giving up 24 points per game, or I guess 0-3 now, 24 points per game, scoring, and then allowing 42.5 points against all other opponents, 7-0. and scoring 42.2 points per game and allowing 11.8. So completely flip-flopped when we play Ohio State and Michigan and in 18 games versus top 10 opponents, he's 3 and 16. Two of those came in 2016 with, as we mentioned, that Grant Haley return on the block kick versus Ohio State, and then we beat Wisconsin, who was number five in the Big Ten Championship. Since then, one win against a top-ten team, and that was the Rose Bowl last year. So, yeah, Frank Franklin's not... He's not the uh, X's and O's guy on offense or defense, but some of the blame has to be put somewhere, and I'm glad that he's finally taking responsibility and in terms of his presser with jobs. I think we're going to see a huge, huge shakeup on the offensive line, and I think we might see a huge shakeup the, in the wide receiving group because the guys who got out there against Ohio State, they couldn't get a half of a yard of a separation. Like, 
I would give anything right now for a Mitchell Tinsley transfer. Mm-hmm. It's unreal how like they have so much hype. Their their route running is great, but in game time, you watch, you know, they they show the uh, all twenty two cam every once in a while on sacks, and just everyone's just locked up hip pocket every single time. And I think that partially goes to wide receivers, but it also goes to the play calling of your mm-hmm. church, which is just absolutely abysmal. Yeah, I mean, the, all the talk the last couple of weeks has been the lack of explosive plays, not throwing the ball downfield. And to use the term glimmer of hope again, you're you're clinging on to something, hoping he's got something that he's he's holding in his bag for this game. And what do we get? We get a trick play three. What was it? Three trick plays where Keandre Lambert Smith, your best route runner, is throwing the ball. Like that is not what you use. But, but, sorry like to, sorry to interrupt. By the way, so everyone says, like, oh, we never get bounces against Ohio State. The scoot score. Yes, that is a huge momentum. But we did get a bounce guard away. Mm-hmm. Hit off the uh, punt returner's foot. Mm-hmm. We get the ball. And the exact play you're talking about, JT sacks Keandre Lambert-Smith on a trick play on first freaking down. Yeah. What are we doing? Like, come on. It's just infuriating. Yeah, the fact, again, that you were hoping he had something up his sleeve, that something in the playbook, some section of the playbook that they hadn't shown on film yet. It's just it's just pathetic. Rolling into a game like this, knowing the magnitude of it, and you, you steered away from the running game way too early. You, you need to remain committed to it to help your young quarterback, even if you're not getting the 10 to 15-yard pops. And it's not like they've been getting that all season. Yes, against the inferior opponents, they've been able to move the line of scrimmage and move the ball. But you got to re- be able to remain committed. Second they, series. Yeah, a field goal drive. Run. Like, and then we passed it. Come on. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah, they're – he put the young quarterback, he put Aller in a situation where he was forced to just sling it to his receiving group that just was not getting open. And that's what the end result, 18 of 42, was at 192 yards and a garbage time touchdown. Mm. It's just not a winning formula. And it's, it's extremely frustrating. It's extremely disappointing. And that, that type of effort against Michigan is going to get you blown, absolutely blown out. Oh my god! If that ends up being the case this season, then they they may have to not may they will need to look in a different direction because with this type of talent, with most of it returning and coming back, that cannot be the case rolling into next season because we haven't gotten anything to show that hey he's just going to change his whole philosophy. So they're in terms of your situation or Franklin. Never say your church, right? I never count out both because at the end of the day, Franklin hired your switch. But someone needs to be held accountable. And yes. if it starts with the play caller and that's the play calling that you're getting, you know, if you're blaming that the success on third down had an impact on the game, you can't just deflect the blame. You got to hold the accountability, which like us, like, like we mentioned, he did today in his presser, but there needs to be 
some change here. It, it, you can't continue down this path and continue to just lay eggs in these big games. And then going back to that series where we finally get a bounce that goes our way, goes off muff punt. Mm-hmm. JT gets another sack on a second and five after they have a defensive offsides. Mm-hmm. So it's just like he, we're we're just not we're just not scheming up. Our mm-hmm. I have one, two, three, four, five stars around this halftime adjustments. Mm-hmm. We got absolutely dominated. And by the way, I don't know what JT is doing before the fourth quarter. I think he has like from Space Jam one of those the basketball containing all the superpowers, and he touches it. Comes a monster, but every fourth quarter against Penn State, he just he takes over the game. It's mm-hmm. unreal. He just gets literally superpowers every single time. But speaking of halftime adjustments, I don't want to say it, but Maserati Marv, if I hear that one more freaking time, I'm gonna lose my mind. Gus Johnson is a he's a national treasure, but when he's calling games against your team and it seems to be yeah yeah that's it was that's that's true that's very true. Last year against Purdue with Charlie Jones, it was Chuck Sizzle. Mm -hmm. This year was Maserati Marv Sizzle. Believe me, it was I was Maserati Marv. Oh my god! I literally just like curled up in a ball on my couch watching that. So he had. Five catches, 75 yards in the first half. For a second there, we kind of held him in check. But then, again, halftime adjustments. He finishes with 11 catches on 15 targets for 162 yards. So he over doubled his total in the first half and got that touchdown. Cade Stover. Was also in the mix. He's found out his nickname is Farmer Gronk, which immediately I was like, "That I hate that." Then I started to think about it. If he's a farm boy, then I like it. Um, Mine Williams in the first half, we couldn't stop him. Could not stop him. 13 carries, 52 yards, and a touchdown in the first half. That kind of set the tone. He finished with 24 carries for 64 yards on a touchdown. So he did make that adjustment in the running game. Their other running back, Chip Trainum, had nine carries for 22 yards. So he held them to 1.9 yards per carry, which was great. But the secondary adjustments were just awful. Absolutely awful. That combined with Mike Yurchett's play calling is it it was just so hard to watch. I mean, like it's third and four on Ohio State's like four like we, we're not in field goal range yet, third and four. In Madden, I would run like an inside zone. And that's what he's doing in real life football against Ohio State. It's like, dude, get some kind of magic or some kind of spice in your 
play calling in her playbook. It's literally a high school playbook, and it's really starting to upset me. It was pretty damn close to the Kirk Shiraki year where he was just running constant QB draws with Clifford and Will Levis. Oh, that QB draw too. Oh my God. And I believe that was the Ohio State game as well when Levis ended up coming into the game because Clifford was hurt because I think he carried the ball about 15 to 20 times. It was if you're gonna use basically a carbon copy. Bring in Bo or something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like he just he is he's clueless, dude. And then just going back to the wide receivers. Um, yeah, we're still looking for a number two. Um, like I said earlier, I would give anything for a Mitchell Tinsley type transfer. But what's up with Dante Cephas? His first catch came with 141 in garbage time. And then he had two straight. Yeah, he was he was obviously the one that we were talking in the beginning of the season that most people were talking in the beginning of the season because of the production he was able to have. Yes, it was at a group of five level in the MAC, but he's a proven collegiate D one wide receiver. So he's the one that you were hoping to have that Tinsley esque impact on this team. Not sure what's transpiring in regards to him getting the on the field reps. Uh, as a matter of fact, for this game, he was named a starter for the game. So part of the game, when they're announcing the starting lineup, he was, he was the starting wide receiver ahead of Liam Clifford in the slot. And, in the slot. Yeah. And like you mentioned, he doesn't get his first catch until minute 41 and garbage. So, I believe the snap count even reflected that he was hardly, if any on the field, those first. Oh, wow. Games. So name is starter, but not take any snaps. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I expected big things from him. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's not getting the ticks, not getting the looks, not getting the targets, but I'm predicting a big last half of the season for him. Um, lastly, another awful part of this game, Chop. Our boy went down with an injury, got to the sideline, but then carted into the locker room. Looked bad. Prayers up for him. Dave, do you have anything on this? Because I, I have not read any updates. Yeah, in regards to Franklin's presser today, so we all know that he doesn't comment on the extent of what the injuries are. A lot of college coaches do that but he does indicate whether something's season ending or not. So he did indicate that chop is not expected to be, or does not, he does not expect this to be season ending live with the broadcast. It looked like he was potentially concussed where it was concussion, but the carted yeah. off the fact that he got carted off would indicate that maybe it's a little bit more than that, but he did mention, like I said, in his press, that it's not season ending and expects to have him return soon. Um, so more to be seen there. I, I doubt that he goes against IU this week to give him kind of a little bit of a rest and allow the yeah. Dennis Sutton to step up in his place. For and sure. You've seen and a great, a great guy to fill in for him too. Yeah. But I uh, would not expect it based on what we heard for Chop to be lost for the season, which is a good Yeah. Good he, looked, he looked woozy for sure. And I was like, all right, that, that looks like a uh, – Probably a concussion, but I think 
I mean, I don't know what the Ohio State tunnel situation's like, so it might have been like a stinger combined with a concussion. Mm-hmm. So they don't yeah. risk like maybe walking them over. But I'm glad, so glad to hear that that is not season ending. Mm-hmm. So my last point on this game, just because I'm sick of talking about this loss, it honestly makes me so infuriated. But during the game, Joel Clapp, I think he put it perfectly. Both teams have elite defenses. Both teams have inexperienced quarterbacks, which we saw with McCord. We predicted that. You route him McCord, and he's Mm going to be off for a little bit. And some of those passes were off. Mm -hmm. But the one difference in that game was one team had Marvin Harrison Jr. And that team was Ohio State, not Penn State. I I always assume when we lose to Ohio State or Penn State or talk about Ohio State or Michigan that were out of the Big Ten East for the Big Ten championship, but I did hear that they're is a potential for us to somehow sneak in? Yeah. So with that loss, uh, Penn State got to be Michigan, but yeah, got to be Michigan, of course. But we find ourselves in the wonderful land of needing some help. So and not controlling our own destiny. So there is a potential scenario where Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan all end the season eleven and one. Mm-hmm. You would obviously have them tied atop the Big Ten East, and the tiebreaker is their Big Ten is their cross divisional opponent record conference record, which would be, as we all know and love, the Big Ten West, the Swamp Pit opponent wow. record. This this if the Swamp played a role in the Big Ten East champion, oh my god, that would be the perfect way to go after them. The perfect way to go out. It absolutely mess with the other division by their shittiness. So unfortunately, Penn State did lose some ground in that race as well, as if the loss to Ohio State wasn't enough. So just to recap, Penn State's Big Ten West opponents, Illinois, Iowa, and Northwestern. All three of those teams suffered losses this weekend. So they have a combined conference record of five and nine. Ohio State's Big Ten West opponents, Purdue, Wisconsin, who they'll play this weekend, and Minnesota are 6-6. Six and six. The Golfers. Golfers. And then Michigan's Big Ten West opponents, Nebraska, Minnesota, and Purdue. Golfers. Who have a combined record of 5-7. and seven. Okay. So right now, Ohio State is leading that tiebreaker race. So if we can beat Michigan... Ah, they're they're such a powerhouse, dude. Risk. Let's go Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. If that if so, if that happens, they still have they still have the win over us, correct? So we would need well, what we would need to be if Wisconsin pulls off the upset, and then obviously Michigan beats Ohio State. That would knock Ohio State out with two losses, and then then Michigan Michigan. would be the. And it would be between us and uh, – well, actually, no. Because if Ohio State loses to Wisconsin, loses to Michigan, we beat Michigan, 
we'd be tied with Michigan to yeah, have a tiebreaker yeah. over them head to head. So that's that's best case. So go Badgers. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. If we long need, story yeah. short, go we Badgers. Just, we need to beat Michigan. That's what it comes down to. And that, yeah. But one week at a time, hope is not lost just yet. I hope this therapy session helped you kind of cope with the loss. Kind of, you know, put some blame on some people if you're upset. Kind of give you some hope on some aspects of the Penn State team going forward that we might be able to pull something out of this season and not just go to the Rose Bowl again because, yeah, like Dave said, it's I want to step up every year. Rose Bowl was phenomenal, great win. We need to step up every single year. And that starts with Indiana next week. Want to know, we're not even going to talk about Michigan. And we will do that with a bonus episode this week, actually, coming out later. We'll go around the trenches, preview Indiana, and then, of course, the Big Ten betting bedanza in which I'm getting my ass kicked. But thank you all always for listening, supporting, following, subscribing, whatever you do to support us. We really, really appreciate it and can't thank you enough. Just know it's okay to hurt. We're going through it. Is. It. It's okay. It's okay. We're in this together, guys. We are. <laughs> Thanks, guys.